0: Me. Oh,
1: talk to me. A on the what's going on everybody jay wright with frustrated black christian podcast episode number 14 we got a good one for y'all today today's episode is entitled the gospel according to politics i have my sister with me one of my uh podcasting partners mentors what have you miss taylor harris she's gonna give us some great insight on the history of the church and politics LA. and uh, how we can incorporate that into our lives on today uh so i'm so excited about the conversation and uh, i'm not gonna hold it up gonna go right into it here's episode number 14 the gospel according to politics featuring taylor harris peace podcast game and i'm so excited to have her with me she is a genius in my book uh she is um um very wise for her age and um uh, i'm excited about the conversation that we're going to have today i'm talking about my little sister my friend miss taylor harris what's going on taylor
2: i'm good how are you thank you for that <laughs> undeserved introduction no yeah um... it's well deserved
1: <laughs> This is this is a well-deserved introduction and this is a well overdue podcast. Um that Very I
0: true.
1: had you on. And uh I'm just excited to have you on. And uh this will be the first of many uh, episodes. I've been on your podcast uh several times and uh I have a great time Very every true. time conversating with you. And uh I'm it's so excited that I'm able to have you on. Um my little podcast and um please oh you know, no, really uh, uh uh like i said we're, we're we're in the early stages uh i just had a frustrating moment uh maybe a frustrating hour trying <laughs> to get the audio together she had to walk me through like an old man uh like i was uh
2: not true at all <laughs> stop down playing yes so that's uh, what i was gonna say to you you first of all is not a little podcast Mm-hmm. It is a podcast, right. plain and simple. You got to right. stop downplaying it, okay? Because I am a, a frustrated Black Christian podcast stand. I am an Elijah Juan Wright right stand. I am a right family stand. And I tune in every single time because I want to hear from you. So stop downplaying yourself. Stop downplaying the podcast. You are speaking to the audience that you need to speak to. And this podcast is changing lives. So just leave it like that. You tell me that all the time. And so now I'm telling you, all I right? Pre- I, so appreciate I am honored. It. I'm honored to be a guest. I'm honored to be on the podcast. And, you know, I'm always going to be a fan first and a listener first. And so to be a guest now, you just pump my head up a little bit more.
1: Nah, I appreciate that. Uh, that means a lot. Don't get me crying uh, already <laughs> before we get started. Uh, no
2: crying. No crying.
1: <laughs> no, I don't want to mess this up. So uh, that means a lot. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, is is that confirmation? And we're talking about something totally different today. Uh, but Keisha uh, basically said, told me the same thing not too long ago about like um, so you don't give yourself enough credit. In the you knowledge. don't. Uh, but I don't know. I guess that's the uh, the the that fake humbleness that uh fake modesty uh uh it's
2: that not fake because you really are humble
1: though. I appreciate that. I appreciate it really. All right that's all enough of that. Let's get up get all right. Let's move on to the subject. All uh, right. You, you get me flustered. Uh but I uh <laughs> I appreciate you. Um Taylor, uh, i I wanted to have Taylor on this episode because I really uh, respect Taylor's opinion. Uh she is very heavy into politics. Uh, I am too. Maybe not as much as Taylor is. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I call her the uh, Black Rachel uh, Maddow. I think that's her name. <laughs> uh,
2: Except for the lesbian part. Uh, hey, I'm hey. I saved, sanctified, and feel hey, hey, holy. Hey, 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 hey.
1: <laughs> no, no but, uh, but other
2: than that, I am honored to be a Rachel. I love her too. I love
1: Rachel But not, not even that that part, but just the mind. Uh the, yeah, the yeah, I guess. The you. the witty way of of your witty approach to politics. Um, how you I see things from a different perspective. I really respect that. And um, I really started watching Rachel uh because of you. I was more of a uh and I don't think you're too fond of this guy, but Chris cuomo uh prime time yeah I see that, I see the, the facial expression um yeah but, uh, <laughs> yeah i'm more of a chris cuomo Frank fan i was more so but uh i i kind of like lately uh spread my thing abroad i i like morning joe i like um I like different stuff. Uh, I forgot. I, uh, I mean,
2: I'm
1: a fan of all of them too. I I get what you're
2: saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, but anyways, that's we're not talking about uh uh channel networks. We're talking about you. But I I really respect your mind, and and and, and not only your mind, but you are also a third generation minister. Uh, your grandfather was a bishop. Your your mm-hmm. dad uh. My one of my favorite artists of all time, the late great Ricky T. Harris was an elder. Uh, your mom and your stepdad or your dad, now, uh, Pastor mm-hmm. Carl Foster, they have a church down in Kissimmee. Um, a great ministry that I love. Shout out to Breath of Life. Um, but and it comes to you, your third generation, uh Church of God in Christ. The the oh, the grand church of God in Christ. Um, oh god <laughs> uh, But uh, yeah, you have uh, a broad perspective, and I really respect it. And um, I texted you all last week. And today's episode uh, is the gospel according to politics. So um, <laughs> we want to talk about how politics, in a way, has infiltrated the church and how it, in some ways it's kind of t- starting to take over. And um, yeah. I, 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 when I, we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, when I say the gospel according to politics, what's the first thing that come to your mind?
2: Um, That can either go good or bad, right? It could be a good thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And the ways that a lot of, especially when we talk about the black church, like we, we can't really separate church from politics mm-hmm. because our, our church has always, when I say the black church, I don't, I mean, universally, right. Mm-hmm. um We've always had to combine both of those things because it was our hub for everything, right. right. It's where you babysat your kids. It's where you went to get advice. It's where you went to get food. It's where you went to, you know, so when it comes to the black church, I think of it kind of in a good way because of people like Martin Luther King, like every civil rights leader, prominent civil rights leader that you can think of has a reverend before their title, right? Mm -hmm. The reverend Mm -hmm. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the reverend uh, James Lawson, the reverend, uh, even John Lewis was uh, ordained in the Baptist church, right? Right, right? But then most of the, when we when you say the gospel court and politics, you can always talk about it in a bad way, too, where uh, with our white brethren and sister and um, the evangelicals, if you will, when mm-hmm. we it, it's become synonymous with the political movement. Right. When I say evangelical, I'm sure everybody who's listening probably went to a white church. They had a white church in their mind and they thought about Republicans. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the the bad way of the gospel according to politics because um, they've made themselves a political movement, the evangelicals have. They are literally synonymous with the Republican Party and they are proud of it. Right. And they are not making any apologies about the fact that they are Republicans and they will vote Republicans regardless of who the candidate is, regardless of what they believe, regardless of what you think about them. That's it,
0: right. right? So that's
2: kind of the the downside, right? So we kind of need to find the happy medium where
1: absolutely you
2: can have church and you know who who's uh in control, which is Jesus, right? But then you let your faith, which is what we're supposed to do, let our faith guide our politics, not let our faith be our politics, or let our politics be our faith,
1: right? That, that. See y'all, this is where I got it, cause she's so, she's a she's a genius, I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> uh so we, we we're gonna talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, and how can we begin to re- repair and like get to that medium um that you just brought up. Um Martin Luther King, uh Jesse Jackson, uh Reverend Jesse mm-hmm. Jackson, uh Reverend Al Sharpton, uh who All I right. feel is probably the face of that that media, the church and politics, um, what are some things that stand out to you as far as the Black social political movement in how, um, how can I put it, in how we have told the line of it? Because just like you said, we have to... I feel as a pastor, I've been a pastor for six years, Mm -hmm. I feel part of my duty is to be, to speak on social issues. Um, I can't just talk about um, you know, Houses, cars, and land, and my people are being oppressed and feeling oppressed, and we're seeing voter suppression, right. uh, young black men, black women being unjustly done. You know, I have a role to play in it. So uh I guess the question I, I'm trying to ask is how do we continue to stay in the middle without allowing ourselves to go on being too political and being
0: mm.
1: too religious.
3: Yeah, I think we have to
2: look at the the blueprint that was set for us, right? And because, like I said before, because us being African-Americans, like, we can't separate ourselves from politics. Mm. Our skin is political. Right. And it's been that way since the beginning of this country, right? When it's in the constitution that we used to be three fifths of a person that automatically makes us political, right. right? We have no choice, but to be political. Our skin is with everything about us is political. Not because we wanted that to be so, but because it was made for it to be. So, mm-hmm. and I think that when it comes to somebody like uh, Dr. King or Somebody like uh, C.T. Vivian and James Lawson and John Lewis and all of those, even the women too, you know, Coretta Scott King and Mary McLeod, you know, we can keep going. But they set a pattern for us to be able to let our our guide should be, this is who I believe in. Mm -hmm. This is my faith. This is what I practice. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I believe that God created all human beings to be equal, right? There's no hierarchy. There's no differentiation. All humans are created and loved by God. That is what I believe. So because it's what I believe, if that's not being applied to what my government is saying, or the country that I live in is, is, going against that well Mm -hmm. it's my duty as a christian to make sure that god's law is being enacted within my government
1: right absolutely
2: right i'm not trying to make everybody a christian i'm just trying to make it fair right i'm not trying to convert everybody right if you want to be a buddhist that's your choice if you want to be, uh, you know, in the nation of Islam, that's your choice. I, I don't have like all I can do is present you the information. Right. That's my faith. But if I have a government that is oppressing me, if I have a government that's killing me, if I have a government that says, "Nope, you're not even a human. You're three fifths of a human," mm-hmm. well, that's going against basic human principles. Absolutely. Right? That's, we don't even absolutely. have to necessarily bring faith into it. That's just wrong, period. Right. Right? right. Murder is wrong anywhere you go. I can be in Indonesia, or I can be in Indiana. If I kill somebody, I am going to jail. Right. So why is it okay for police officers to keep killing Black and brown people without going to jail?
1: Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. That's not
2: even a faith argument. That's just common human common sense. Common
1: human sense. Absolutely.
2: And I and I said it that way on purpose because all humans have a basic code of law. And if you're going against that, well then of course I'm going to say something.
0: Mhm. Right?
2: Right. So, I'm not necessarily trying to make everybody a Christian. I'm just trying to make it fair for everybody.
0: Right.
2: And that's the way it should be. Now, When you go in the voting booth on election day, whatever your principles, whatever matters to you, right? Whatever God is telling you to do, you vote your conscience. Right. I'm not trying to make you a Democrat. I'm not trying to make you a Republican, liberal, I don't care about those labels. If your main issue is X, Y, and Z, well then vote that way.
3: And I'm going to vote my way. Right. However...
2: There has to be some sort of standard where, okay, regardless of what you believe in, this is wrong, right? Right. So when it comes to the church and politics, everybody should be saying wrong is wrong and right is right. That's why you saw in the civil rights movement, Jews and Catholics and Protestants and all these people coming out. Why? Because they saw wrong is wrong. Plain and simple. that's why you have a multicultural movement with Black Lives Matter and all that stuff because what wrong is wrong, everybody saw George Floyd being killed and wrong is wrong Right. so that's why you have movements all over the world right, George Floyd wasn't from England but there was protests in England, George Floyd wasn't from Brazil but there were protests in Brazil why, because wrong is wrong they had nothing to do with politics they had nothing to do with faith it was just
1: wrong. And wrong, absolutely. It, it was definitely wrong, and uh, like you said, everyone, almost everybody saw. Well, we all saw that it was wrong, but we not everybody called it out as wrong, <clears throat> and that's kind of what, exactly. what we want to what we want to talk about uh, a little bit more, um, and, and and what we ha- what we are experiencing, what we have experienced, is a slow. Downward spiral of Christianity mm-hmm. because yeah it's it's white evangelicals but see this is the thing and this this is what I was talking to um, my friend Pastor Rod he's of uh, between you and him I really talk to y'all a lot about politics um, but the what the evangelicals are doing is not just damaging them they're also damaging the body of Christ as a whole, because right. the world is not seeing. Oh, exactly. that's, just, that's just one party. They're seeing right. all of it. So they're naming all. They're, they're making, making them among us. And mm-hmm. the church is not responding to uh, what's going on in the world. And, uh, this just is my opinion. Um, I feel like when we are talking about the, uh, Dr. King and the, the, the church and the political party back then, uh, that that um, that documentary that you sent me, um, the, the history of the black church, the black church documentary, black church. Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. So uh, one thing that the guy said when the host said or one of the people that was being interviewed said was it felt like when Dr. King died, the movement kind of died and big business came into the church. And mm-hmm. this is where I feel like where we dropped the ball. And I'm, I'm I'm going to wrap it back to today's time. We started focusing on big business and we dropped the social ball of what's going on in our society. And we started worrying about our bottom line instead of worrying about the souls yeah. in our community, the souls in our church. And I'm not saying this for everybody, but I'm saying most of the churches begin to think about, how can I expand my brand instead of saying, how can I expand being a blessing to the community, being a blessing to the church? And Mm -hmm. we dropped the ball. So we kind of lost that leader, that figurehead of Dr. King. Yeah, we had some other ones, but there was really, uh, the truth of the matter is leaders like, you know, John Lewis, he went into the, to the into the government and started politics, helping out, yeah, and politics helping that way. But I'm saying, as far as like if we're honest, Jesse Jackson, a little Al Sharpton for a little bit, they started going into the big business of things, and we never yep. really had that figurehead. Now, Al Sharpton eventually started coming back around to it, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what just Jack, Reverend Jackson Jackson is doing, but uh, uh. I know that he's becoming that head figure and we got some other le- younger leaders rising. But my point is saying yeah. this: Dr. King had no choice, but to step up and to lead the church in social issues because we dropped the ball for so long and things have gotten worse. That down was power. Now we're at the point now where we don't have a choice now, Mm-hmm. But to involve ourselves into social matters, into social issues, because it's affecting our world on a grander scale, on a worse level. Well, I I don't know if I can say a worse level, but it's it's belligerent now. Yeah, where where they're they're bold now. That when Dr. King died, it kind of it wasn't being recorded anymore. The hard times and all this crazy stuff that was going on in our society wasn't being recorded anymore until uh uh what's his name? Rodney King, basically. And then, but but That's now true. in the social media era where we was able to record this stuff to say that it's still mm-hmm. going on, because some people thought because uh because they gave us Barack Obama that it was the end of racism, yeah. which was a complete lie, things actually. Really exposed itself with Mm -hmm. the uh, uh, Trayvon Martin, Philando Castile, uh, Sandra Bland, uh, Alvin Sterling, all this, all of that was during Obama's presidency, Obama's time. So it's like now we don't have all of that, we don't have a choice but to step up to the plate and to uh, call right, right, call wrong, wrong, and uh, now. In this new era that we are in, the post-Trump era, mm-hmm. uh, where they are more bold now. Mm-hmm. That boldness uh kind of died off a little bit, but Trump, Trump came in and injected it with uh white supremacy, uh and 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 now they are bold, they are proud, Jews would not replace us uh marching uh so now we have to yeah it is it's it's a big mess. So how do we combat the new evangelical
3: bold white power movement? We we have to get as loud as they are
2: right okay okay i think we are some of us and like you were saying after dr king it kind of felt like everything just kind of died off and and we kind of retreated within ourselves and i think a lot of that was because all of them had ptsd right like jesse jackson he was there when dr king got assassinated um andrew young was there when Dr. King was assassinated, right? And so I think they had a kind of a, a trauma, because it wasn't just um Dr. King. Before that, it was Malcolm X. Before that, it was Megan Evers. You know, we can keep going. We can list Bobby Kennedy, right? All of right. these assassinations, JFK, back to back to back to back to back. And I think they were kind of like, okay, this and there's a title of a book that I love. Is that this nonviolent stuff will get you killed. Right?
1: Wow. Oh, wait a minute.
2: It, <laughs> and that's true. We exactly. don't think of it that way, but this nonviolent stuff will get you killed. Whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all of that. This nonviolent stuff will get you killed. Right. And so I think part of it was just them almost being scared. Right. We, we don't want to put up another person in a spotlight for them to get taken out. Because mm. it happened too many times. It happened with Megger. It happened with Malcolm. It happened with oh, Dr. King. It happened with Kennedy. Both of them. Right. Right? And so I think they, they kind of retreated within themselves. And then, like you said, the problems, they never really got solved. They got brushed over. Yeah. And so, yes, we had the Voting Rights Act. Yes, we had the Housing Act. Yes, we had the Civil Rights Act but not a lot of those problems went away. They got addressed somewhat, but they never got solved. And so that's why in 2021 we can listen to a Dr. King speech, we can listen to a Malcolm X speech, and it literally word for word apply to stuff that's happening today. Absolutely. Right? And this is in the 60s. And it's still happening today.
3: So it, it's not that the evangelicals are so; I, they are emboldened. I think they, with,
2: what Trump did for certain people, and I'm mm. not naming everybody. I'm not broadly general generalizing. I know that all white people are racist. Trust me. I have very good friends that are white. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah,
1: me too. Absolutely.
2: But there are certain. White evangelicals, because we're talking about the church, right, that were emboldened. They looked at Trump saying whatever he needed to say, whatever he felt like saying, whatever he was tweeting, whenever he wanted to tweet, and nothing happened to him. People still voted for him. People still supported him. People still stood by him. He was saying anything. And they looked at that and said, oh, okay. Okay. So then it's okay for us to start doing it because mm-hmm. ain't nothing happened to him. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if they're talking at a certain volume, the only way you can drown out that volume is to talk over them. Right. Right. And So it's not like it, there needs to be a battle. No, you just have to refute what's happening. If I'm saying something wrong, if I keep referring to you, as uh if your name is Elijah, and i keep referring to you as uh august and yeah brother august you know you are going to correct me right because that's not your name right. right right so why isn't there this fire and this fervor within christians who are listening to these people paint a picture of jesus that we know is not right that we know is false that we have scripture and bible to refute Absolutely. Why aren't we refuting that? Right? It's not an individual attack. It's not an attack against a person, right? Right. If you want to get theologically about it, what does Paul say? We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about the spirit and the principality that's operating within them. Right. The only way to refute it is to talk just as loud. So where are like you were saying there was no leader that really stepped up? Okay, so there doesn't need to be one person. Maybe there needs to be fifty of us, right? Right? right. Maybe there right. needs to be a hundred of us. But at some point we have to go. Uh-uh. I, I hear what they're saying, but let me present to you another picture.
1: Absolutely. And when you think about it, I I was just looking up the scripture, making sure I got my the verse right. Uh. Paul writes Timothy in Second Timothy two and fifteen to said a study to show yourself approved unto God a workman uh, that not needeth to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth and it's like I think what you're saying what you're saying we must speak louder it's not a volume thing it's a right. knowledge thing Uh, I don't have to get loud a belligerent I should say with you right. I can know. The the problem could be is that we're not stepping up. A lot of us are stepping up, but we don't know what we're talking about when we're stepping up. We're not studying to show ourselves. and We're not coming with the proof in our our hand that what you're saying is wrong. Mm -hmm. It's not God. And I won't allow you to represent the name of Jesus that way. Right. We're doing a lot of yelling but we're not saying anything. Exactly. We're doing a lot of fussing and a lot of arguing and a lot of bickering as you're saying, but we're not saying anything. I think that it's time for us to step up our knowledge, our what we- uh uh the and study our history to know what's really going on. We could clearly right. say, see that what you're saying is wrong. Is, it was what's going on is wrong. Now I need to take the same tool that you claim that you carry it and use it and show you where you are error, er in that. And I can still do it in love Absolutely. And, and in respect. I don't have to get belligerent with you. Not at all. But I think that's where we we're failing at is that we're not studying enough Very
2: to be true.
1: able to bring it to the table, because all we're doing is making we're we're smearing mess everywhere.
2: Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> like the the devil may not have power, but he is he he ain't stupid.
0: Nah. Okay.
2: He's a dummy, but he ain't stupid. Nah. Right. So. it's not an accident although they may not know what they're doing it's not an accident that all these and and remember i don't know if y'all realize this but all this uh critical race theory stuff Mm -hmm. it first started with the evangelicals Mm -hmm. they started attacking it within churches first right and they labeled it critical race theory but what they were really going after is uh the liberation theology that is prevalent in most Black churches. Right. Why? Because of what we dealt with in slavery. That's what they're after, right? Now, right. it has since blown up to ridiculous proportion and is stupid in, in all levels, right? Because CRT is not being taught in schools, okay? If your child is being taught uh, critical race theory, then why is your child in law school? Because that is the only time that critical race theory is being taught. Side note. Anyway, uh, what I'm saying is it's not an accident that they're going after history, right? What they're after is the certain teaching of history. They don't want certain parts of history being taught. We saw this very same thing in the beginning of slavery. It was illegal for slaves to read. Why? Because they didn't want us to pick up a book and realize that they were wrong.
1: Right, right, right.
2: This is the same thing with with, with critical race theory and and the the history with 1619 project, all that stuff. They don't want you reading that stuff because they don't want us to realize why they're wrong.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So, like you were saying, if we go back to studying history the right way, if we go back to studying the Bible the right way, because the key word in Second Timothy is rightly dividing. Rightly. So if it says rightly dividing, that means there's a possibility. That it could be wrongly divided.
1: That's good. That's good.
2: And that's what's happening in most churches, is being wrongly divided. We take one scripture, we hijack it out of its context, and we beat people over the head with it. Man. That's wrongly divided. Right? Right. We have to be able to stand up and rightly divide the word. And that means utilizing every resource that we have, including history.
1: Absolutely. You preaching to me. Uh, <laughs> you you are <were> preaching <laughs> wrongly divided. And it's and possible. that's Yeah. And and that's what they would do. Uh is studying history. That they would use the black preacher in the slave days to preach a message telling those go. slaves to obey their master. That this is what that was the will of God. When there was so much more to what was going on, but they wasn't even allowed to, like you said, read for themselves. Uh, man, that's that's crazy. And 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 the time that we're living in that. See that you said that started with evangelicals, it has trickled into politics, it has trickled into the school system. Uh, and I, I, I'm telling you this story like last week, my daughter was in count uh, Tori finished count last week, and um, I was picking her up for her last day. And her teacher, uh, he stopped me one time before, and he was like, Man, you know. Talk about how talented Tori was, as far as like with with art, she's mm-hmm. she's good at drawing and stuff like that. So he stopped me and encouraged me about getting her to some art class because she has a real talent. But I'm not mm-hmm. talking about the time the, uh, the last I picked up last week, and um, only person I told was Keisha. He stopped me again, and he was like, um, Victoria is one of my favorite campers, my favorite students." He was like. And you realize that she is, uh, one reason is because she's so sweet. The second reason is, and he pointed to his skin, he's a black man. and He was like, we have to protect our children. And then he told, began to tell me, do not depend on the school system to teach and train your child what they need to know. Start now. Start teaching That's your children great. what they need uh to know what they uh ought to learn, what the school should be teaching them. They're not teaching them because in that they're they're trying to label our children, place them in special classes when nothing is wrong with them. And there you go. Have he- med- uh heavily medicate them, put them under a uh, medication mm-hmm. when the truth is they don't need it. They need the nope. encouragement. They need the the uh lessons and we need to teach our children so he was this man right here he he's a teacher in Duval County now and he's telling me don't I'm trust lie, this cool. school system <laughs> see
2: cuz he was looking out for
1: you absolutely that's why. absolutely and, and and that's what that's what it takes people standing out even if I work for them yeah they pay me But I'm going to, I love my people more than I love my money. I'm going to tell my people, when you get home, you got a responsibility to to teach your children this. They don't want to teach critical race theory. They don't want to teach the history of Black people or the liberation theory. You have the obligation to teach your children this. Absolutely. Because... I'm a product. I I see it. and, And... um, I want to raise my children the exact same way.
2: Because I, what I know now about history and uh, politics and all that, I got in the habit of watching the news mm-hmm. because it was modeled for me. I, I grew up in a home where the adults watched the news and right. they would make us watch it with them so that they could explain what was going on. I didn't know anything about Black history. I wouldn't know anything about Black history if I relied on my education from a school, from an institution. Mm -hmm. I know what I know because of my aunt. I know what I know because of my uncle. I know what I know because of my mother and my grandfather who took the time after school, brought me to libraries. Like every summer, I had to do a book report on a Black historical figure in a book. That was outside of school. They had nothing to do with no school that I was in. Right. Those were the adults in my life saying, "No, this is what we are going to learn. Cuz I need you to know that there are other things out here in the world. You can be whatever you want to be. That's great. But let me let me show you who you are and where you come from." There was encyclopedias and books and that that wasn't just with history. That was with the Bible, too. They didn't rely on what I. They, that's you know, that's a couple hours on a Sunday. Now for me, it was much longer because I was a PK. I was there every <laughs> doggone day. But I, <laughs> we, 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 they let me know that you can ask questions. Yeah. Right. And because yeah. I was allowed to ask questions, man, that broadened my understanding. So whereas my peers didn't, they hated going to church. I had a different aspect on it. Because I knew I wasn't going to church for people. I was going to church to serve God. Right. Right? So my outlook on it was different. Just like my outlook on school was different. Because they modeled that for me. And so I'm a big proponent of freedom schools, like we used to do back in the day. Right? And like right after slavery and the Civil War, that that era, Reconstruction era, Black people set up schools wherever they could. And adults and kids went to those schools to learn how to read. Why? Because they couldn't before. It was illegal for them to do it, right? They learned about Black history. They learned what they needed to know because it was Black people teaching Black people, right? right? And that's when they were able to learn, right? There's stories of mothers and daughters sharing a dress to go to schools, right? One would go in the morning and the other one would go out at night. They didn't have money to buy multiple clothes so they would share a dress, Wow. right? We, we need to get back into that mindset of valuing education. And I'm not just talking about history. I'm talking biblically, too. We need to get back into that mindset of loving, valuing, and really studying what it is that we need to know. Why? Because we're going to be tested on it. Absolutely. Whether it's in life or whether it's in school, we're, we're going to be tested on the information. So I that brother was looking out for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a re- it was a real moment. It almost made me. I got emotional about it. Everybody called me a crybaby anyway. but I kind of got emotional with it because it's like it's a responsibility. You sometimes you forget the responsibility and you just go through the cycle of life, basically. Yep. Pick them up, take them home, let them mm-hmm. have fun. But it's like, no, I have to start instilling in my children now. What's important for them to know so that they are properly equipped on how to see the world? Because, see, the difference between you and I is you had that obligation. Are uh, they put that that pressure on you to do your research for you to study and to come back and to report and and I think that the that's that's why the North is so much advanced than the South is uh, I, as far as like in my mindset they are because uh that that there's still a essence of the slave mentality down here south down south and and we're more We're more subjective to mm. the image of if and I'm not trying to be funny to the white man than are then they you. are up north and and that's because we are we become satisfied with the progress that we have, oh I got a little money, I'm good, I got mm. me a house I'm good, I got a car, I'm good to where you're. You're settling for less than you deserve as okay. Black people, because and, and and with that, what you were saying is, I feel like we're at that point now because we lost our hunger. We're not studying because, like you said, we're just we're satisfied with the little piece that we got, and we don't feel obligated to teach our children what they need to learn because biblically and education wise because we've lost that desire. You know, like I said, like we said earlier, they had no other choice back in the 60s. We kind of have a choice now. Yeah. But see times are getting worse now to where right. we don't have no other choice because uh and I said this to myself uh because I heard a couple of my former co-workers talking and how even the same ones our color, how they downplayed what was really going on. And the thing is, we we only are concerned when trouble knocks on our door. All right. And we got to get to the point saying if it knocks on my neighbor's door, I'm going to say something. I'm not going to wait for them to knock on my door for me. The for me to want to get up and want to fight and and stand up for what's right and what's wrong. I got to get up now. We've lost yeah. our hunger as the black culture. And then here's the thing: there are other organizations that are starting to fight, but they not they're not using the word of God right. as their compass. So anything that's not God-led has the uh the the slippery slope of going into their own agenda. Yeah. And that's I think what some of the organizations that's what's going on, but it's time for the church to stand up. It's time for the church to get up off their high horse to for the pastors to take off the robes, take off the chains, take off the collars and let's get some jeans on, let's get back to work. Right. Let's get back to work and uh i it's time for us to do something uh, I don't know if i I don't think I have told you or not, but Victoria's life is going through a transition right now uh and starting in August we're changing our name. our name is now uh will be, and I'm making this announcement to everybody now it's gonna be out public now uh we're we're gonna be uh our name is run Jacksonville, and that stands for reviving and uniting nations, Jacksonville. And our purpose is to get out and get from behind the four walls and get back in our communities and get back to these social issues and get back to helping bringing these nations together because the nation ain't so much uh, one country or anything or one nationality, a nation is a family. A nation can be people. It's the people. So I feel like in this era of ministry where God is directing us is He's calling us to get out there and revive and unite the nation again. Because we've gotten too far along in the big business of church and we've neglected with social issues for too long. I'm not waiting for my child to be affected for me to stand up and fight. I'm not waiting for one of my members or myself to be affected. And and the truth is, we've already been affected. We just might not have paid attention to it. Um, Right. But I'm not waiting for a big situation to happen for me to stand up and fight. Or a tragic one. Absolutely.
2: Right. That's
1: powerful. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely right. Because the other side is organized. And they are motivated, and they are studying, right? Because that that if I was forced to say one good thing about um, the Repub- the current Republican Party mm-hmm. is that once they say something or once there is a uh, a theory out there uh, um, a an the idea, all of them fall in line, right? To the point where you can. Talk to four different people at four different times, but all of them are gonna say the same thing right they sure. know them talking points they got them they can regurgitate those talking absolutely. points absolutely and they will repeat them until kingdom come or until they they change their mind right <laughs> so that that's one thing that we have to to learn to do is that we all have to that's what I, I love the the new thing we have to be
3: unified just like they're unified. Right?
2: Because when we're talking about the the church and politics, one of the reasons why evangelicals basically run the Republican Party is that they are a
3: loyal, constant,
2: huge voting block for the right, Republican Party. Right, right, right. We're talking about millions of people who, regardless who the candidate is, will go in that voting booth And check that name off because somebody said something that they agree with, right? They don't even have to come through with it. Because what did Trump come through with? Absolutely nothing. Not a thing. Other than putting in uh, the, the Supreme Court judges and the federal judges outside of that, he ain't doing nothing. Yeah. But still, more evangelicals voted for him in 2020 than they did in 2016 this was after four years of him talking Mm
0: -hmm.
2: okay all that stuff that he said all the things that he did in those four years more of them went to the booth and voted for him because it's not about a candidate for them it's about principles right that they and i say that principles quote unquote that they hold to So if they're organized in a way that can literally change the the scope of a nation then we have to get as organized as they are so that we can refute what's happening. And that only comes with us unifying. That only comes with us studying and knowing what we're doing, which is why even though there is a, it is, like you said, it's a slippery slope we have to be knowledgeable about what's going on in politics regardless of what you go to right right that it's our duty as citizens period so regardless of, of what denomination or what you believe even if you are an atheist you should still know some about politics right. cuz it's going to affect your life there's nothing in your life that you can do that's outside of politics right. so you should probably care about it just a little bit
1: It makes a lot of sense. Uh, it kind of was going into my my last question for you, or my my last um, thing that I will ask for you. You kind of started talking about it already, as far as organizing ourselves. If I could get you mm-hmm. in the room full of all the black pastors, mm-hmm. and I said, Taylor, I want you to uh, speak to us on what we need to do. What are some of the keys that you would give us to help equip us so that we can go out there and make an impact? Um,
3: That's a good
2: question uh first of all stop preaching so long so that we can get out of church (laughs) and actually do something no i'm kidding um (laughs) no it will be the the top i think the what sums it all up for me is education right we have to be educated voters we have to be educated citizens we have to be educated christians we have to be um, educated parents, educated students, educate, you know, whatever it is, education is, is the the key here. And I yeah. think that one of the problems is uh, the difference in the change that we've seen over the years is that, in and I hate to keep going back to the civil rights movement, but in that era, With the SCLC, which was Southern Christian Leadership Conference, which Dr. King was the head of, you couldn't join that organization without going through classes, Mm. citizenship education classes, right? Where they taught you, okay, this is what voting means. This is your precinct. This is what a governor is. This is what a, a sheriff does. This is what, you know, they through all aspects of how voting impacts their lives. That way they knew what they were talking about, right? Right. They knew... What they were looking for in a candidate, and I think now we we don't learn civics in high school anymore. We don't learn civics, at least I didn't. Um, I can't remember where a time where people sat down and told me, "Okay, this is what this person does." Um, you know, this is what this means. I don't remember that. Right. And so we 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 put the eighteen year olds out there to vote. Thanks to Nixon, that's like one of the only good things that he did in his life. But um he get he let 18-year-old, he he lowered the age of voting from 21 to 18. Okay, cool. So now I'm 18, I get to vote. But if I'm 18 and I'm voting and I don't know nothing,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? Right. I don't even know what these people do. Most people only vote in the presidential election. That's great, but the president doesn't necessarily affect your everyday life. It's the people in your local government that are going to affect you the most
0: absolutely
2: and who knows who their local officials are right who knows what what a mayor does Bear who few. knows what uh what your, your state senator does people don't even know that there's a state senator every senate has there's a state senate in every set uh state nobody knows that right so we have to get back to education and that's going to take time, which is why I said they gotta stop preaching so long so they we get out of church
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm with you. I'm with you <laughs> I'm with you i think I, I I think you said it all, so I think the steps that I've heard from you and that's what I've been writing down, uh the three words would be educate, organize, and empower. Right. Uh, basically, it's time for us to stop putting the cart before the horse. Don't empower before you educate yourself. Before you organize, then you go out there and you empower. So uh, I think that's a great lesson for all of us to uh, to start off with. Uh, if we all put those three principles uh, together, and uh, we can we can really shake something. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna take those three steps that you've given us today through our conversation. Uh, as you was talking, like I said, I was just kind of summing up the one words. Those are the three words that I got. Educate, organize, then empower. Um, and right. if we all take that step and I'm going to really start doing that with my, our ministry, um, I think that we got a chance. Uh, to, to do something really good for our community um and if the church get back to the community community make a better, a better city cities make a better state and a state will make a better nation that's there you go. What we're all about so uh man i really enjoyed this conversation um you are wise beyond your years, and uh, you kind of gave us a little. No, you really. Now, see, I now, here we go. <laughs> nah, no, whatever. I'll be I'm thirty-one on
2: Wednesday, so uh, thirty-one. Yeah, 30. I, my bet. Oh, my bet.
1: Whatever. <laughs> I'm four years away from forty. <laughs> so, uh, but you're, you're you're wise beyond your years, and um, you. I really appreciate you and your mind. And I appreciate, you know, how you were raised, and I'm a little bit jealous of it, uh, but I'm not going to oh, be envious of it. I'm going to empower, and I'm going to oh, put it in. <laughs> I'm going to put it in my girls, and we're going to empower our girls uh, the That's right, right. W- the right way. So uh, I want to thank won't. you again, sis, for just being with me on today um i can't thank you enough a great My conversation pleasure. this is the first of many uh i want to have you on more often so we can uh keep up current events and vice versa if, I, if, I'm, not on, if I'm not on um uh, your podcast you are on mine and uh we're going to keep up with these current events so that we can have the knowledge Frustrated yes, Black Christian Podcast is not here just that to entertain things. you. We're here to Correct. uh educate you, and we are here to empower you so that you can go out and empower others. All right. And my sister is the main contributor to that, and she's the reason why this podcast exists. So thank you again, Taylor. I love you. uh love you too. I really appreciate you, and uh, thank you all for listening to Frustrated Black Christian Podcast episode number fourteen. The gospel according to politics. Until next week, I'll catch y'all on the flip side. Peace and have a great time, great day, a night, whatever you listen to this. Have a good one. Bye.